0: Oh my goodness, it's so good to have you back in my home. Thank you for joining me, Aisha.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Allison.
0: You're so welcome. I had such interesting dreams last night. I was curious if you do you remember yours last night at all? Not specifically last night,
1: but I feel that in this past couple of weeks with the eclipses and with Dia de los Muertos, I've been having a lot of different dreams.
0: Yeah, me too. They just have felt, I don't know, just of a bit of a different texture somehow. And last night, you know how sometimes it's hard to put a human word to it because medicine doesn't fully hit the nail on the head. It felt very otherworldly. When you're in dream time, of course, it's going to be very otherworldly. But I just recalled when I woke up how the waters of my dream time felt so unique and I think that one of the reasons why was you coming back here today, and I think I wanted to begin in somewhat of a random place, but in my dream reflection, I was thinking about the significance of how the very first time I unexpectedly sat with grandmother medicine, ayahuasca, it was with you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And for some reason, last night while I was dreaming, that awareness of that significance was coming in and like such strong waves. And of course, for all of these years from that time, I've always been aware that you were in that ceremony circle with me, but I don't think I had pinpointed that it was really significant. Mm. And so there was that different meaning that was coming in last night. And I thought, wow, you know, yeah, of of all the seven, eight billion people on the planet, you know, I don't know if you knew, did you know that I didn't realize it was turning into a grandmother medicine ceremony <laughs> that day? Did you know that?
1: I, I don't know. I didn't know, but you told me and that I find that there's no coincidences ever. And the significance of sitting with people in ceremony, I always hold like it's such a dear place in my heart. Everyone that I ever sat in ceremony with, because I know that that's a parallel world in itself.
0: Right. Yeah. And can you unpack just that parallel world part a little bit more for someone that was just like, what does she mean by that?
1: Yeah. When you're talking about the dreams, right, and to be in this otherworldly experience, a ceremony, when you look at from the outside, you see the people, you see an altar, you see a fire, you see people singing and dancing and praying. And for someone who's outside might just think, well, they're just people gathering together. But what is actually happening goes beyond the physical dimension. And when people come into a circle, there is an attunement that happens. And every person, this is the way I see humans and plants and animals, like we're all people. We are channels and bridges between earth and sky, right? But specifically humans, through like the powers of our nervous system and of our human heart, There is a coherence, there is a co-regulation that happens when we get into a circle to bring our intentions and to bring our presence together to something bigger, to tap into the invisible realm. So when I mean that we are in a parallel world is that, yes, we're all there in the physical world and we are all together tapping into this other fabric that is invisible. But when you are in the circle, it's very tangible.
0: Mm -hmm. I just keep getting flashbacks to that night, because I don't think I've ever shared this story, maybe anywhere on any podcast, but I especially don't think on my own. How I arrived to this ceremony, and it was at a Santa Dime Plant Medicine Church in, in Brooklyn, And the guy that I was dating at the time was in in town in New York City. He didn't live there, but he was there. He's this incredible master musician, plays probably hundreds of instruments. And I knew that you and your partner were also going to be going to this ceremony, but I thought it was simply a hape ceremony, which I had worked with that medicine a number of times and it was resonant and speaking to me. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go. And after that initial opening, I guess, of the space and of the evening, working with the Hapé, I'll never forget when the medicine woman who was the facilitator for all of us that night, then she said, you know, (laughs) something to the effect of, as we now start to transition over into our time working with grandmother medicine tonight, and she starts trailing on to some description, <laughs> I remember my eyes getting so big and like flashing to you and like looking over at Ignacio. And Ignacio knew that I had never worked with, it's hard to explain when I, when I say like major plant medicines, because yes, I had worked with Sananga and hape and tobacco and cacao, but I had never up until that night mm. had a calling to sit with San Pedro or peyote or grandmother medicine. And so this was like a massively... Mm. I mean, this was, it was one of the biggest moments of my life and especially of my shamanic path was this night mm. that I shared mm. with you. Mm-hmm. And last night when I was sleeping, it just was like, speak to this, explain it, talk yeah. about this with her, just like open this up a bit more. Because I really had to take time. I went over to Ignacio and I was like, you didn't tell me. And because mm. he knew I had not sat with this medicine yet. He was the musician for the night. So he clearly knew yeah. what the night was. So he was kind of half chuckling, but also obviously taking it seriously what was coming up for me. And I sat with the shaman who was the facilitator. And I just was completely honest with her. And I said, I'm having a bit of um, egoic, identity-based moment right now because so far in my path as a medicine woman as a shaman I have been speaking to and teaching to the fact that I had these awakenings and I arrived to the truth of who I am without the aid Mm. of these plant medicines and being a teacher of that that's possible yeah and now I'm having to reconcile If I say yes to sitting with this medicine, that whole thing kind of shifts. Yeah. And so I spoke with her about it. And then I obviously sat with myself for quite some time and clearly arrived to that it was a yes to continue on. And grandmother medicine was so gentle with me. And it was just so heart opening and it was such a beautiful night. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know, because I don't think I'd ever told you before. That was a big night for me. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing
1: that. And then also, like, I acknowledge that, yeah, getting into the medicine, it needs to call you. And you were put in a situation where it obviously called you because you were there, but you were caught in surprise a little bit. And maybe that's what your soul had agreed to, you know, with the medicines. Okay, I know who I am. I know that the shamanic access is possible without the help of the plant medicines. But the plant medicine says, okay, I want to open that door for you. Are you here to be friend with me, right? To to become friend with me. And then you said yes. And I'm curious to hear more like, from that moment on, what did you learn in that first experience and saying yes, because I know that many people want to do plant medicines and it has become so popular in the past 10 years that, you know, everybody knows about ayahuasca today. I have an impression but when I started like 13 years ago, just was very secretive and you have to be very quiet about it. And now like it's very open. But my question is instated about the fear of the ego death, like, oh, who I am, like, I don't need this, but now I'm taking this. Mm -hmm. But there was any other, like, resistance and fear that you felt?
0: It not really. And I know for both of us, reverence and sacredness are just such, you know, vital aspects to our lives and our journeys. You even have one of your brands named reverence because it's such a big part of your life. So for me, it wasn't that I was... Fearing working with the medicines, it was me just holding the line of patience Mm -hmm. and really being clear that unless one truly, truly called to me, I was not going to just frivolously enter into that space, Mm -hmm. you know, because there were certain people that clearly just weren't able to fully understand what the path of shamanism really entails, because when they would find out that I'm A medicine woman who had never sat with certain plant medicines, that was a bit of a combusting moment for them because in their minds, they had a hard time reconciling that the two didn't have to Mm. equate or go together. And so for me, it was just waiting and not knowing if any would ever call to me And I trusted if they did that I would show up. And speaking to what your insight was about, you know, how it called in such an unexpected way, moving forward, that's how peyote happened for me. Most of my first meetings with these grand Mm. plant spirit teachers have arrived to me in completely unplanned, unorganized ways. And that sometimes became my barometer to know oh, I'm probably supposed to say yes to this if I did get an invitation where it was like, hey, in an hour, there's this ceremony and I just got the divine call to like ask you to come. And I'd usually be like, this is usually how it works for me now. So I'm probably supposed to be there. But it all began Um, on that night together. Oh, beautiful.
1: And I I love that because, you know, you have already this attitude of uh, presence and reverence and attunement with yourself and when I talk about plant medicines or any kind of medicines, like if animal spirit medicine, and uh, there is a medicine of your voice, there is a medicine of movement. Those are all like tools and presences that we can enter in a relationship with that when you're ready, you just say yes. And the thing is like, how do you practice being ready to say yes to the miracle? How do you practice being ready to say yes to the magic that's happening right now because it is already happening and yes we don't need to take an external substance and yet we are always taking an external substance Mm -hmm. because the world is always informing us through with sound with light with temperature with pressure with smell, with taste, like all our senses are always informing us. So we are always taking a medicine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, in, in a certain sense. And when you encounter a presence that is an intelligence, that even in the animist uh, traditions, which uh, I study, and that there are many indigenous traditions are based on animism, which means that everything has a spirit. So you encounter a plant that is a master teacher like ayahuasca, and it's like a person.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yes.
1: she's, and she's coming and she's saying, hey, do you want to get to know me more intimately? Can I enter your temple yes. and teach you something? And how do you prepare yourself to that moment? Because you're ready, you can say yes pretty quickly. But if you're not, maybe you need to get to do some preparation.
0: Yeah. And can you elaborate a little bit? Because I know that the Ceremony Circle community is a wide array on the spectrum of many lifetimes, many years deep this lifetime, you know, in devotion to the spiritual path, also mixed with people who have just recently opened that door and have just taken their first step in. And so could you give a couple of examples, even just in personal storytelling medicine yourself, what are some ways that one could begin to prepare themselves emotionally or on a soul level so that when the miracle presents, they're in more of a place of readiness as opposed to maybe forcing a yes because they want to. Because this happens sometimes, Mm -hmm. as you know, the miracle will present or the master teacher might present And if they have not gotten to a healthy enough place of embodiment, of readiness to that yes, and yet they override that wisdom and say yes, then it can cause more damage and more harm than healing.
1: Exactly. So something that I talk about when I'm serving a medicine that is legal and widely available, it's cacao, is before you even drink the medicine, one way of preparing is like learning how to empty yourself, and the ways to empty yourself it is through meditation, going to nature and disconnecting from technology and social media. So are you emptying yourself from all the external stimuli that are always like giving you like, "Oh, you have to be like this, you have to buy this, you have to buy that, you have to go there you you're not doing well, you're you know there you need to change something about your body. you need to change something in your home and you're like always feeling that. You need to change something. You need to act. So create a pause, create a break into that, and go empty your mind. Mm. I guide people into preparation for psychedelic journeys. And first thing I say, get a journal. Empty your mind. Five minutes per day is like automatic writing. You're going to be impressed. The amount of things that are in your mind Mm. that if you don't take it out, that's energetic hygiene. Right. So one of the ways of getting ready to meet a big spirit to make is like to cleanse yourself. So cleanse your mind, go and ground yourself, go take a walk, put your feet directly on the ground, get attuned with the earth, get into a meditation practice that doesn't need to be sitting, can be a dynamic movement, medicine, you know, uh, meditation. And those are the the basic ways. And then there are like other ways that you can cleanse yourself energetically, taking spiritual baths, taking Mm a bath with salt or with herbs, and then doing a cleanse into your diet. Because that's the thing, when you want to receive something, you need to create space for it. And if you want to receive somebody in your home, you're going to create a space for that person right? As you're going to create a space for the person to sit, and you're going to prepare a cup of tea, you're going to offer something, you're going to create, like if your person is staying overnight, like you're going to make a bed, you're going to prepare a towel, you're going to prepare a meal, you're going to prepare in that way. So receiving a plant spirit is the same thing in your body. You need to create the space. And it's the same thing also if you want to receive a spirit of any sort, even if you want to have a baby. Mm-hmm. You want to, to have a baby, you need to create space inside of yourself to receive that spirit of the baby. And the, I see sometimes it's like there is like this urge, but you need we need to learn how to be empty before we receive anything.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense because there are endless ways and and possibilities to do our part and take the responsibility needed to communicate to our womb, to communicate to grandfather medicine peyote to communicate to the sacred energy of the home and to the soul of your friend who's going to come and stay in your home for a week like by doing that preparation work by being conscious and present to the intentionality there's that communication then to the other realms and to the miracle space that you are ready for it. Yeah. And so then that flow and that co-creation becomes more seamless, right? Yeah.
1: And also what I didn't mention, but it's a practice of listening. Yes. Because to truly listen is to empty yourself. Yes. then you let the words that you're receiving to sip in and then you can respond to it. A lot of people... They are not really listening. They're just thinking about what are going to say next, mm. right? And it's no judgment there, but just notice, right? Are you truly listening when you're talking with someone or you are thinking about something else and then you're just replying mindlessly? And it's the same thing. So when you're sitting with a plant medicine, with the mushrooms, with a, you know, cacao, you sit, stay in silence created that stillness, that emptiness, and then you can listen.
0: I'm so glad that that piece dropped in to be spoken to because I'm potentially currently in the deepest place of listening in my life, maybe mm. ever, just with things going on with closest family member and just some incredibly intense and deepest initiations. And in, in a birth-death portal so much is with me at this time. And I have taken the steps I know I needed to take to listen as clearly, astutely, pristinely, and deeply as possible so that I know every single day I'm with this portal and with this initiation in the clearest way possible. And some examples of what I've chosen is with some of my closest sister friends here, letting them know I'm removing myself from our like friend group text channel. And that's just one example, but I've taken steps that, you know, maybe were surprising to some, or I don't know if it triggered any of them. Maybe not because they're all wonderful conscious people, but I know what I need to be doing in this time to listen properly in this deepest, most important place in my life and with this family member. And that is requiring me to clear out and simplify Mm. to like the ultimate capacity. So I know I'm listening so well. Yeah. You know, this is
1: something that you're in tune and you know that your capacity right now is reduced to take in like the more superficial or the everyday day-to-day friendships that not that they're not important for you it's just like your capacity right now needs to be focused to listen to something more into the invisible and the least interruptions you have is the best.
0: Yeah. And I knew it was the right thing. I prayed on it and meditated on it. And the second that I expressed that I needed to honor what I was guided to do and that this was one thing that I'm guided to do, like the second that I expressed that and then removed myself, I was like, you always know, you can feel Mm -hmm. your body, your auric field, like everything tells you if you're on track and exactly where your soul and God wants you to be. And I could feel a new breath and a new space open up. And so I knew I was on track with that. And we'll get to your backstory because I definitely want to hear about your upbringing in in Brazil and one of your grandparents passing away at a young age, which I know is an instrumental time in your life. But I still want to stay on this vein of ceremonies that you and I have shared space in just to see what organically might come up. And if nothing comes up, we can go to the next one. But again, in my dream time, I was just reflecting on, even though you and I have known each other for many years, because you were in LA and I was more in New York, like we haven't until now when we're both in Austin, we've known each other for years, but we haven't been able to see each other all that much. But then I was reflecting on how, wow, you know, the ceremonies that we have landed in, they've all been really significant and powerful ones for me and you and your family I was so happy you all came to the Dogon ceremony circle here in Austin that was so beautiful to have Phoenix your son join us I loved having a few kids and babies in the space for that activation I don't know if there's anything that you want to speak to there because I know that you've also Mm. worked with the Dogon wisdom and I know that everyone's on their own unique path but for me the Dogon tribe and that particular carrying of that such ancient wisdom resonates so fully and I had so many prayers answered from Naba being here and facilitating that day for everyone there were prayers that I had been praying to some for seven plus years some for maybe not as long but that weekend of Dogon Ceremony Circle there were like four long prayers just Boom, boom, boom. Just Mm. answered, 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 answered. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a really special ceremony that you created and was so deep. I had worked with them back in New York and in California. They were in this spiritual gathering as well. And this year, I think, was right around my birthday. I was going through like a very difficult personal adaptation here in Austin. Had just moved like a month in. And then mold allergies and, you know, feeling like really depleted in my body. And I reached out to, to Naba and I had a personal reading with him. And uh, he prescribed me um, a cleanse to go to the ocean. And I felt like a big shift in my, my energy because he's like, yeah, you need to die to be reborn. And, you know, the doggone, they they really work with the the elements and there is always an exchange for everything that you get from nature, you give something back. And that's like the basics of the spiritual practices of reciprocity. And then really knowing that the energy is always circulating and that nothing gets lost, right? And they work beautiful like with eggs, but also with raw meat. And I did like a cleansing and I threw my clothes in the trash you know there's very like intense and then going into the ocean and speaking to the goddess of the ocean and bringing offerings and flowers mm-hmm. and cheese yeah you know and eggs and things like that yeah. as the rebirth and I really love the wisdom that's there and in the day that we had here in Austin that you you organized and you filmed it. I don't know if you released it yet, but that was really special. And I got a book that is a book of purification. Yes. And I've done some of the practices, and it's very in depth. And what I was sharing in the beginning, you know, if you want to meet the presence of the divine, of spirits that are very like elevated and a light, and they want to teach you, come clean. Yes. Right? And the cleansing, it comes like with the ablutions, which I I like is cleansing with water. It's like cleansing your eyes, your nostrils, your mouth, your ears, your anus, you know, all like the orifices of your body to have that clear channel because this is like how we're receiving, giving and receiving, cleaning your, your skin, right, before you pray and you enter in communication with the spirit. And it it was so beautiful because we had um, a big, like, cleansing. Like, we did the cleansing and washing with herbs and everything. And then there was, like, this blessing with the, the powders, yes. right, with the, the plants. And my son was there, and he was just sleeping. Like, he had a big, like, energetic release. Like, he was not doing all the rituals with us because, you know, obviously he's four years old, and he doesn't, like, understand exactly what's going on, but his soul knows And I felt him, like, shift, his energy shifted. Like, in the moment where we were drumming and then getting in the second part of the healing, he was receiving it in the dream realms. Mm. It was really beautiful. And another thing that I love about the work with the Dog on, it is this access to the dream space. Yes. Where, like, before you go to sleep, purify yourself, right? Think good thoughts and ask you know, ask the spirits that are in the spirit realm to come and talk to you in your dreams, right?
0: Yeah, he definitely activated a different experience for me and my dream time when he was here in town. And he had been to our house a couple of times. And I was just really happy that I could spend as much time with him that I could even outside of the ceremony day. And it really, it activated so much. And one quick story that you just reminded me of is when he was here doing the personal readings for Luke and I separately when when he was reading me. Long story short, he could tell that I had been served. He asked if my stomach had been hurting. I was like, yeah, actually it has. And I'm not, you know, my body is just normally functions very well. And, you know, I'm just usually flourishing health wise. But the three weeks prior, I had had like really regular daily stomach aches. And I told Luke about it. And I was just like, I don't know what is going on. If I'm eating something different, my stomach is just really upset. And I think it was the first thing that Naba picked up on in the reading. And he asked me about my stomach. I said, yeah, it has been hurting. And he did the cowrie shell reading for me. But he said that in my dream, someone had fed me stuff that I wasn't supposed to eat, that it was mm. like. A A not benevolent being who had come in and I remembered there was this being who shape shifted and presented as like a little baby child to get my soft spot because I just Mm. I love kids and Mm. I get along with them. So this being came as a, a little baby that was wanting to feed me and I said yes and I ate this food and it was not supposed to be ingested and it was not good for me. So I ordered from the herbal store that they have, I got these herbs to purify and to cleanse my stomach. And I did the ritual he prescribed for me. And I haven't had one of the stomach aches since. And so it was really interesting. I also wanted to talk about when you were here doing the somatic, energetic, what to me felt like a living prayer session with you, When you brought your massage table over and this was just a week or two ago and that was just such a beautiful time. I mean, I have had different types of body work from the time I was a little, little girl because my dad had me as a full on hardcore distance runner from the time I was three years old. And so even though I grew up in a small town in Indiana, I was going to like acupuncturists and body workers and hypnotherapists from the time I was like three, four, five, six years old. Wow. So I've had a lifetime of experiencing people in those capacities. But what you shared so generously with me that day was just unlike anything I'd ever had done. And so I just wanted you to speak to it so that people, because I'm sure there will be people that will want to reach out to you and work with you and try your best to explain what is happening, what is moving through you, because I could feel you physically, yes, it's sometimes with touch, but it was a different brain wave wavelength that I was getting into, and I could feel you working so beautifully, energetically, and you bring such a cleanliness, speaking of all of that. I just know when I'm with you, there's no gunk, there's no funny stuff. Like, I can tell you do your due diligence to arrive pristine so that you are that clean, clear conduit for the person you're working with. So Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for that. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for bringing that into the conversation. And so I got into the healing path first to heal myself. I grew up in a dysfunctional home, like many of you who are listening, like a lot of us in our generation, right? We're all dealing with the collective trauma of humanity. But I was a very shy, introverted little girl who was scared. I had so much fear. My father is an alcoholic and the climate in my home was like a lot of disharmony. So I was always very contracted and even my mom, she was scared too. So she couldn't even hold the space for me and help me to release my fear something that I was unaware of until last year. I had an episode of sexual abuse when I was very young. But all of that created such contraction in my body, and I knew that I needed to get out of my shell. Like my soul knew that I needed to break that contraction Mm. and bring my voice into the world and bring my presence and bring my movement and my art into the world. And it was when I was a teenager, my grandmother looked at me, and I had my shoulders up to my ears, right? And I was like this. And she's, you need to open up. You're becoming a big girl. It was like mocinha in Portuguese. It's like you're growing up, and you're going to become a woman. You need to open your chest and keep your head high. And she said, you go do belly dancing. And then I started doing belly dancing, and... And there I started loving my body because I was introverted and I was a little bit like chubby and I wore thick glasses and I was always the last one to be picked at school for any like sport. Do
0: you have any pictures of you when you're that age? I bet you're so cute.
1: (laughs) Super thick glasses. My mom must have the pictures. I moved so many times. The only picture I have of myself right now as a child is as a baby. Okay. And uh, that's the picture I keep in my altars for my inner child healing. But I didn't like myself. I would see myself in pictures and I'm like, I'm ugly, and then feel that rejection. So when I was a teenager, I ditched my glasses, started wearing contact lenses, and uh, got in touch with my femininity. And there was this desire, I always liked to speak out loud. In school, the teacher would ask, somebody wants to read this paragraph out loud, I would always raise my hand. But outside of school, I had no friends. I was shy. I didn't know how to speak or ask or anything. So I knew I needed to get out. And then I started to get interested in poetry and performing arts and theater. And I went to theater school and I started doing all sorts of dance modalities.
0: Were you hitting up against a lot of resistance every time for a long time? Or you just arrived to that place of clarity Of you know that this is what you have to do. And so when you would go to the class, you wouldn't really feel nervous. Like, how was that Uh, process for you? Because that's uh, a big 180 change. Oh, my God.
1: I would feel my heart racing every time I was, like, in front of people. And when I started going, like, into circles that I could share, I would just cry. I would not even be able to articulate anything. There was, like, processes and processes of emotional release before I even could articulate any words. Wow. Wow and uh, i remember the first time i got a bodywork and it was this lady and so she was massaging my chest and like that space of the heart and i just started crying and then i cried for an hour yeah because nobody ever touched me with such tenderness in my heart to listen to my heart in that way So my path has been that. And then so when I was dancing as a teenager and then the idea of dancing is like, oh, you dance, you need to copy the person who knows how to dance and you don't know how to dance. So you need to force yourself to assume that shape, even if it's unnatural to you, because that's how you do a split. That's how you do a pirouette. That's how you dance. Right. You need to fit into style. So I started pushing myself to do that, and I would get so hurt because my body was so contracted. And then I would go get sessions of acupuncture or a massage, and I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Like, I feel better now than before I was hurt. And that picked my interest to learn about the body. And then I found a teacher in Brazil. His name is Ivaldo Bertazo. and he's a famous figure in the community, He's a physiotherapist and also a choreographer. So he Mm. teaches a method of how to dance respecting the physiology of the movement, which is like very anatomical based. So I started learning anatomy and physiology. And at the same time, like expression, I was doing theater. So my path started into learning how to free myself from that contraction and fear how to express myself, how to learn about my body and the range of motions and how to respect and treat my body as a sacred instrument that it is. I've been doing body work for over 20 years. So I started when I was like about 19, 20, right? And I'm 43 now. So all these years I've learned so many different techniques and I've studied in Brazil and then I moved to Canada and I had my teacher Thierry Dumont who was a French osteopath who trained me into the hands of osteopathy, mm-hmm. which is like French kinesiotherapy and osteopathy, which is like a deep listening and then so powerful. And I learned shiatsu and all the modalities of massage, Swedish, Abhyanga, Reiki, and all those things. I have a deep curiosity and love for the human body, so I'm always learning and. I think I'm always going to be studying the human body. Like I know the structures, I've looked in depth to it, i like making drawings to know the details of how the muscles attach and all that. But more than that is to develop like that presence of I am touching something that is coming from a long time ago. Like every person that I have the honor to have on my hands, I have that aspect of reverence that I know that this rhythm, this blood, this bone, this muscles, these tears, these emotions is something that is coming from a long, long, long time ago mm. and we're meeting right now.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful.
1: And when we were talking in the beginning, right, I'm meeting a sacred spirit of a plant. I'm making a sacred spirit of a human and then I'm, I'm meeting humanity under my hands and I can only be humble and listen. And that's what I bring into my sessions. Yeah, I can help people to gain more range and mobility, to deal with their chronic pain, to feel a relief, to do some energetic clearing and spiritual healing and all those things that are part of my path. But most of that is we're here together, breathing, alive. And this is sacred. This is a moment of sacredness.
0: I could really feel a lot of the melding and merging as you were sharing some of the traditions globally that you have been called into and learned. And I could feel many of them just working together and informing together. feels to me like you've arrived to such a beautiful, unique place in this offering due to you answering the various calls Hey fam, popping in here super quick to remind you that my best-selling Animal Power book and card deck are both available and out now. Animal Power book is 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. It's a deluxe compendium of power animals. So anytime you dream of an animal or have an animal continuously crossing your path and you're wondering, why is this animal showing up so much for me? Just pop into my beautiful book that also has a gorgeous full-page color illustration beach animal to learn its wisdom, teachings, and meaning so you can more deeply understand why that animal showed up in your life. An Animal Power deck is super fun to work with. You can pull a random card to see what animal has a message for you that day or ask the deck a specific question to see what clarity might reveal. Both Animal Power book and deck are available everywhere books are sold. The book has been the number one new release in shamanism and many other categories. You can also get them from my website. And when you visit there, allisoncharles.com. Backslash animal power. That's A L Y S O N, AllisonCharles.com. Backslash animal power. You'll also receive a free video drumming shamanic journey that I personally guide where you can meet your current power animal. I appreciate your support so much. And now back to today's show. In our session, because I know one of the titles that you referred to yourself as, as a womb wisdom keeper, was that aspect of you and your offerings at play in our session down there? Yeah. Okay.
1: The energy that I brought into the session was to bring you in that receptivity into the womb space. Is something that is also part of my path. I had an abortion when I was 22 years old, and it was something that I was young and it was so sudden. I was with an older man, that was my partner at the time, and he just said, you're not having this child. And I felt like so unsafe and so confused and ashamed. And I just went to, to, with emotions and I went to the clinic and I knew I was pregnant. On a Friday, the Monday, it was done. So Is I, this
0: In Brazil? In Brazil.
1: And it was heart-wrenching and took me many years to process that. And I still have a lot of grief Mm. about it. I would have a 20-year-old child today if I wouldn't have done that. I didn't have enough time to measure the consequences and the weights, and it was very difficult. So I got so scared that I was going to get pregnant again, and I put an IUD, Mm. a copper IUD, for five years, and then I had another one for another five years And I wasn't really aware, but the copper IUD creates an irritation in your endometrium. And sometimes you can get pregnant, like you conceive, the egg gets fertilized, but there is an irritation that you have literally miscarriage. I wasn't aware of that. Wow. So for years and years, horrible cramps and like very like scared, like that fear in my womb like rejecting that I would get pregnant and I would not have the support to have a child. So I was with a partner later that was like, oh, maybe I want to have a child, maybe not. And then when I turned around 30, I was like, I know that there is a soul that wants to come through me and I want to have a child. So I was with him and then he said, well, I really want to focus on my career and I'm not ready and I don't know if I'm ever going to be ready. So I broke up with him in Canada and then I had another partner that I didn't feel safe with. And long story short, after I took off my IUD in 2012, it took me six years to get pregnant. Yeah. And in that period, I had to teach myself how to trust again and to cleanse my body from that pattern that I had for 10 years of rejecting the conception. Wow, that's deep. And so I've learned how to welcome that energy of a child into my body and I got pregnant and I have a son now and I feel that there's another soul. It's open to spirit to see if it's going to happen. But when I work with women into that womb space, because I've done it for myself and I truly believe that you can only bring people to places where you have been yourself, is to remove that layer of fear. And to bring a blessing, because what I like to say is that the womb is the first home of humanity. It's the space when you are pure energy and you don't have a body, your soul, and there is a divine will that wants to crystallize into the matter. Mm. And you arrive into the spaceship (laughs) of the body of your mother, Mm. which is her womb. And I say that women sometimes like, oh, I'm pregnant, and they start making, oh, I want the nursery, this. I think it's nice, right? But that's not really. The first home, the first nursery Mm -hmm. of your baby is your womb, and to have a healthy relationship with yourself, and to truly go into that space. And I know it's very charged with abuse, and sexual abuse, and emotional abuse, and hatred of the female body that is expressed like culturally right you're never good enough as a woman right you're too young you're too old you're too thin you're too fat there's always something wrong that needs to be fixed but to really like okay I am a woman I have a womb and I am the bearer of the next generations yeah and I can bless the next generations with my love with my presence With accepting fully who I am and not being afraid. And especially what's happening right now in the world, right, in the Middle East. Every day I cry thinking of all the women there that are pregnant right Mm. now and that are going to give birth in who knows what condition. And women who are in reproductive age, fertile age, and they're scared. Scared to bring a new person into the world, right? And that's how I was. Even though I didn't grow up necessarily in war, and this isn't part of the ancestral healing, right, that I do, is that sometimes it's not just in this generation, this fear. I know I have war on both sides of my family. My father is Polish. My grandmother, my father's mom, she gave birth to my uncle in a labor camp in Poland in 1943. Wow. And I know that all that lineage, like Poland is a battlefield between Germany and Russia for thousands of years. And my father copes with that pain with alcohol. And I forgave my father and I love him today. But I had a lot of resentment and I have to deal with that same pain that my father feels right. after the war. And he copes with the alcohol. I am breaking the cycles and I don't drink and I do plant <laughs> medicines, right? And my other side of the lineage is a native Brazilian who suffered cultural and physical genocide Mm. and immigrants from South Italy, which also were like chased out of Europe and had to, you know, lose their culture and go somewhere else because the conditions were not good in their homeland. So there's a lot of brokenness with feeling safe and feeling belonging and in harmony with the earth. And something that I've learned in plant medicines, and I started meditating on the womb space in my own healing path, is that the womb and the land are one and Mm. the same. Yes. Everything you do to the land, you're doing to the womb of the women. And everything you do to the womb, you're doing to the land. It is a hologram. It is connected directly.
0: Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Our plot of land here, just a few days ago, I just went out by myself and maybe just a 20-minute ceremony where yeah, I began by getting permission first and getting the invitation to dig into Earth Mother and open her soil and open her womb up a bit. And I won't give all the details, but the theme and the gist of the ceremony was beginning with honoring the original mother, our earth mother, that we all are held and nourished and so generously provided everything by. So thanking earth mother and entering into her womb. And then one of the things that I buried into earth mother's womb was a thread, that thread that you spoke to me about. And that was so present when I did the cacao ancestor ceremony with you. That's what I was feeling. The whole ceremony was that thread of who was that first mom in the lineage that I come from? Who are you? Did you have a name? What was your name? What were you like? And just that very first mother, however many thousands of moms ago she was, who's that first mom in my lineage? So I started with Honoring Earth Mom, her womb, then went to the first mother in the lineage and then just buried a white thread and did other things and sang and rattled and my grandmother's and my mom, and I was just so present to the significance of the womb space and of the mothers and of me. I am a mom. I'm a great mom to Cookie and Jelly Bean, and I really have a knowingness. I'll be a mama to a physical baby as well. But yeah, just wanted to speak to that.
1: And, you know, this work of ancestry and womanhood and how it all merges and the sacredness of our hips and the sacredness of our sexuality and how we have been shamed for it. It's so interesting. Brazil is pretty much like in a sexy, dancey culture and all that. There's a little bit more freedom, but that here in the U.S. it's really like 180 degrees in the sense of that there's like this shame and this like hatred of the body of women and then there's this hypersexualization, and all oh, you need to be like this sexy beast and big lips big boobs big you know like everything and it's just it's very difficult to feel like that sacredness if you're just like immersed in the pop culture of american culture yeah like if coming from outside right and i know that even myself like even brazilian like i've been shamed and I think I'm going to read one of my poems here soon. But when I was growing up, like, the boys would bully me because of my big butt. Mm. And, like, I was walking in school and they would be screaming in the corridors, like, all sorts of insults. Like, creating stories about uh, how I was, like, a whore and stuff. Like, you know, wow. it's just like, so interesting of this reclamation and how, you know, like, a woman in her early 40s, it took me... All this time to reconcile with my body, with my sexuality and in bringing it to, yeah, there is a sting, right? I know that is powerful and it is the most sacred thing you can ever think of. Mm -hmm. Like we wouldn't be here without that. And I feel like part of my work also is to bring that aspect of like reverence and to the sexuality because as women in our fertile years, we are creating the next generation of humans and then treating that energy of for sexuality and conception and mothering as a gift for humanity of like how can I protect this with the most like fierceness that Mm. I have in my heart to protect the innocence of children to not fall into the banalization of their sexuality mm-hmm. as a matter. like i'm a mother of, to a boy and i feel that there is a healing there like of like how do mm-hmm. i hold space for a boy in the most loving way so he can honor all women growing up and the love that i am giving to him that he can see every woman as he grows up as his own mom
0: yeah That's so powerful. I would love for you to read your poem, but then I'm also just curious, Mm. are both your mom and dad still living? Yes. And where does your dad live? My dad
1: lives in Brazil.
0: Okay. So my dad
1: moved to Brazil with my family when he was six years old. Can you imagine you grew up in Poland and it's like all Poland cold and you're speaking Polish and you're living on the land, and then all of a sudden they moved and they took a boat that took four months to travel from Europe to Brazil. And you're like four months in a boat, and then you arrive in a completely different country, speaking another language, and you're a kid, and you don't know anybody except your family, and uh, you need to adapt. And that's the the shock. When I was a kid, I was so hurt by my dad being an alcoholic, that I couldn't really connect with him. But because of my work with the plant medicines, I've been able to see the, l- the big picture yeah. and to not take things so personally. And to see my dad as a human being that was suffering and that healing and coping with pain and the ancestral pain in the best way he could. Yeah. And today I talk with him often. I love him. I went to visit. I brought my son My sisters still don't talk to my dad as much. My older sister doesn't talk to him at all. My younger sister a little bit, but they judge him. And then I feel like as we talked about that, we're like the rainbow sheep of our families, like the holistic rainbow sheep, that we are breaking the patterns and we are praying in ways that sometimes our families don't understand, but we know we're making a difference.
0: We do. We are. Yes. Yeah. Do you feel open to reading your poem? Yeah. I would love to hear it.
1: So this is a poem. It's called uh, Odd to My Bunda.
0: Mm, Bunda.
1: Yeah, and bunda is the but in Portuguese. And I want to give a thanks to my dear friend, uh, Meredith Hiller, who is a poet and a teacher of poetry, who in her container, I wrote this poem. Mm. And it goes like this. Bunda. You are abundant. Abundancia. Abundance. There is a movement in your curves. It is a wave of pleasure. My grandmother pointed to my fleshy parts and said, You are a woman because your hips are large and you're made for carrying babies. I have always heard that large hips attract men because we are wired to make life, to make love. But media has a way of telling us women that we need something else, that we need to change what we have got. This not-enoughness, this too-muchness. As a teenager, I have heard that the perfect ratio for a woman's body was the slim body of a model. 33, 23, 33. I have always exceeded that by far because of my abundance. My bunda is too big for this world. (laughs) In my teenage years, I have tried to hide it under blouses wrapped around my waist. The boys at school would call me Potranca, Philly. Potranca. Anka has anka in it, which is also a word for hips. I have always felt that my ass is the most animal part of my body. Yes, like a horse, or a zebra, or a gazelle. This round, moon-like shape, furry and bouncy ass. Some lovers would admire my stretch marks, calling it tiger marks. And as a tigress, I would rejoice in the little bites received in ecstasy. Other men, mean and stupid, would say that I needed to lose weight. And I said goodbye to that shit. Like my ass is so good to say goodbye to shit. The ass is often a place of shame, sometimes because of the anus. There's so much charge around the anus, as if people would want to be so clean that they don't shit. But the fact is, if you don't shit it out, you become full of it. I have heard that the anus is the general, actually. All the other body parts owe their cleanliness and function to this specific part of the body. The bunda. Boom, boom. Cushioning this special place of elimination. The liminal space where we let go what is no longer needed inside. My playful animal, bouncy, shaking, shimming booty. You are a force to be reckoned with. Now let me sit in you and revel in my abundant body.
0: That was so beautiful. Such gorgeous storytelling medicine. I love the word too, bunda. It's a great (laughs) word. And how it's right in the middle of abundance. The bunda is abundant. Yes. Ah, that is so gorgeous. Will that be in her poetry book?
1: Yes. My friend uh, Meredith, she's uh, launching a book, I think, in March next year, her next book of poetry, and it's going to be published. And, you know, there's this thing also that I like to say those words, like ass and anus. Like I always sneak in. I'm like guiding meditations. Yeah. And then doing this <laughs> meditation that I always like to give. It's like the inner smile meditation. And I love to help you like smile in your anus. <laughs> and and I feel like a little this is like discomfort in the room. It's just there is so much shame about the body. And especially like a spiritual person and like a medicine person, you need to cleanse your body, purify, and all that. But we are humans and we are animals. And it is okay, you yeah. know, can we hold both things our yeah. divinity and our animality, yes, with the same love, with the same acceptance and the same reverence?
0: absolutely, right. I'm huge with that too, and my anus is smiling right now. <laughs> she's very happy, she's got a cheesy grin, so good, but I personally want to let everyone know what I alluded to in the beginning of our interview, your brand called Reverence because it's just my favorite thing ever right now. (laughs) And I'm obsessed with both of them. So Esho makes Reverence Aura Cleansing Mist, And there are two different scent profiles. And the one I'm holding in my hand right now is just my all-time favorite ever. It's Cacao and Palo Santo. And I mean, I'm friends with founders of different beautiful brands and, you know, just have experienced things in this niche of products for a long time, but I've never had mm. anyone think to blend cacao with Palo Santo. And it is just the dreamiest mm. combination. And everyone, I carry this everywhere. I'm always spritzing Luke and the dog and the cat and <laughs> I'll bring it to different friend gatherings and missed everyone. And everyone's always it's almost the same reaction of, what is that? You know, because it's just, you get enraptured by it. So I would love for you to just let everyone know your website. And the other one has white sage and...
1: White cedar, yeah. So I'm an herbalist, and I love to talk to the spirits of the plants. And they tell me, like, like, oh, this can fit with that. I like to dance and play with that. I feel like every plant has a signature, has a presence into them. And the cacao in Palo Santo, like they have this just this heartwarming, this yumminess. it's almost gourmet, right? Yeah. And I started doing this about ten years ago because in my work and giving bodywork sessions and energy healing, I was working in a clinic that I couldn't burn like sage or a palo santo and then i was like okay i need to make something in a liquid form and then i started bringing it to ceremonies it's like great for like a quick pick me up when you're going through a difficult emotional state or like you're feeling a little bit tired or in ceremony you just had like a, a cleansing you know and a purge and then you're like refreshed and it's like, oh my god because plant spirits are in it i never use any synthetic Ingredients, everything I, I source is like sustainable and organic and I have close relationships with the people that I source it from so I make sure that everything is like good because it's important. All the cycle of the moment that the plant is cared for the soil it grows, the people who are harvesting, the people who are transporting is carrying it as medicine. I have a website, and I'll have a special code okay. for the people who are listening to get a, like a twenty percent discount. Oh
0: beautiful.
1: And I'm just really happy to talk about that.
0: And what is your website?
1: Uh, I have my website at ishell.com slash reverence. I'm making a, a website just for that, okay. and I have more sense that I'm working on right now, and it's coming. It's exciting. Like, yeah, and doing, those are more like energy cleansing tools. But I'm working on some wearable perfumes, oil-based or alcohol-based.
0: I'm excited. Keep me posted um, when those are releasing. I'll be your beta tester. And the last question that I just have to cover with you, because the first card that I pulled today was the Mountain Lion Initiate Embodied Leadership. And I was immediately brought by Mountain Lion to this awareness that I really feel you and I are really healthily embodied leaders. Mm. You know, we have devoted to this work and this path for a very long time. And I just know that we carry that embodiment. So I wanted to hear from you, what are a couple of traits that you feel make for a master ceremonialist? Because as you mentioned, there's just a growing number of ceremonies of all sorts, and it's beautiful. And you just have to you know really be mindful and aware of who is holding the space and who's facilitating and as you are a master ceremonialist yourself what are a couple of things that makes for a master in the space well the first thing is that that's not about myself
1: it's not about me it is about the devotion to to the spirit mm-hmm. that is coming into the ceremony and the like respect and love for every person who is in the circle because sometimes like what doesn't work is like there is like a, a shaman or a facilitator that's there because of ego and then it's not a safe space for everyone so first one is like to know that's not about yourself it is about devotion and the people and i think that the second one is to truly be someone who has a practice yeah Like an everyday practice. When you're leading where you're holding containers, you need to have a practice for yourself every day. You know, you need to cleanse yourself. You need to keep studying, keep evolving, and be aware of trauma. Mm -hmm. Very important. Be trauma-informed. You know, everybody's coming with the baggage, and you need to know that, you know, the space can trigger.
0: Yeah, and that self-awareness, too, as a guide, as a facilitator, as a leader— One of the things I'm most grateful for is my high self-awareness. Like, where am I at? What's Mm -hmm. going on with me? Where am I currently navigating? Mm -hmm. What's the work that's showing up for me? I feel very adept and masterful at not pushing anything away, I feel in very healthy relation with the totality. Mm. And I, I see that in you too. And that's another important thing. Yeah. And
1: and, and to know your, your limits, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you know that you, you're not in the capacity and ability to do it, take a step back yeah. and don't push yourself to give from an empty cup, right?
0: Yes. Beautiful. We covered so much beautiful ground and mm-hmm. thank you for your time and your generosity and Thank you for coming over here to the home and having me into your home for that beautiful cacao ancestor evening that we had last week. And that was such a beautiful, healing balm, soothing night Mm -hmm. for me that was so... So needed. So I'm grateful we've been able to spend so much time together recently. It's awesome. nice. Yeah.
1: I just want to, before we close, to put it out there also, if you're someone who's looking to dive deep with plant medicines and you need support to prepare yourself or to integrate, right? Because the plant medicine journey is like a peak experience, but then how do you make a change in your life, right? That's so important to have that as a priority when you're doing this work. So reach out if you need that support. I guide people online and you know give online sessions Mm. for people who want to prepare and integrate. And I guide people in private journeys as well with uh, earth medicines. Like just reach out to me to see how can I support you. And I'm so excited that I'm planning a retreat in Brazil Mm. in March, Uh, going to a healing center with one of my original teachers in the medicine carioca in uh, rio de janeiro and is in the atlantic forest beautiful healing center very comfortable very nice it's all about the music and the brazilian culture and it is just going to be amazing mm-hmm. and i'm so excited
0: that is very exciting i can yeah. see it feel it smell it that is an enticing offering as always you can go to the show notes on my website alisoncharles.com to find all of ishell's links and when i post about this episode it will obviously have her tagged and will link to her social media channels as well so you can message her and inquire how to work with her and to also scoop up her reverence or a miss. Well, this was so much fun. I just enjoy sharing space, spending time. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad we can make it happen in person. And thanks for gracing all the Ceremony Circle community with your presence today.
1: Thank you, Alison.
0: Yeah. And thank you, Soul Fam, for joining us. And we will sit together again next time. Bye. Bye. Woo. Wee. What a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Alison Charles, so it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode. If it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for. If you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, if you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal, and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.